Today, Carl and Nick preview the Week 13 matchup as the Denver Broncos travel out east to the beautiful city of Miami. You are listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Welcome to the Huddle Up Podcast, your go-to show for all things Broncos. Once again, Broncos country, it is time to huddle up. I am Carl Dumbler, and with me as always, we have Nick Kendall. Nick, I am not sure that I've had more of a gut-punching moment than this past game. I, I finally got something that got me excited about Bronco football again this year. Finally getting to see whether Paxton Lynch can prove if he can be a starting quarterback in this league. And boom, he gets hurt. Now we got to see Trevor Simeon again. I thought we were done with this kid. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, it just, it was, it was hard for me to, I, I finally had to turn off the game and watch a, a, a movie with my kid just to kind of get me back in the, in a good mood. It just, it was, it was very tough for me with this last game. Yeah. I'm still not quite over it. I have to do the huddle up uh, post game instant reactions. So I mean, if we, if I didn't have to do that, I might've turned the game off just because I'm getting so tired of this team. Just, getting pantsed granted i mean they did show up a little bit there at the end once the raiders went into their their shell defense you know pretty easy just tossing the football down the field trevor did have some good throws he had some that should have been picked again what's new (laughs) but uh yeah just just frustrating for sure and it sucks to lose to the raiders but i mean just it really sucks to have paxton get hurt he was not playing great granted i think they severely handcuffed him for what he was doing you know it's frustrating to see him play under center and making those reads i would have liked to see more Shotgun-based spread attack, which, hey, once Trevor Simeon went in, it seems like they went to that, which is, but I'm, I'm not a coach, and I'm just here to break down what I see. So frustrating it's, season. It sucks to see Paxton get hurt. Sucks to see Paxton get hurt. I mean, now we're – is he done? Is he done in Denver? He might be. I mean, we, we can't really go into next season the same way we've gone in the last two seasons. It's not acceptable at this point for the quarterback position, and Elway's not going to put up with it. Right. You can't sit here and just hope he's going to all of a sudden develop – and and just hope you can build a team around him and he becomes the guy that you uh, yeah it's bronco fans we've all come to expect a certain level of, of play from this team and was so much unknown about paxton and that, that was what the sixth game was supposed to be and he might get a couple more games two to four week injury we'll see what happens with that but uh, yeah it, it's hard for me right now I, I don't we all know trevor simeon is not the future i've seen a couple bronco fans posting today of oh trevor simeon do you see those couple touchdowns man this guy he should have been starting i'm going no no do you not remember how this season has gone he got lots of games this year and it was not pretty he had lots of games last year it was not pretty (laughs) it's not all of a sudden going to be where he turns into this great pro bowl quarterback although i guess he was like the 10th alternative or whatever for the pro bowl last year an alternate, but the Pro Bowl is a joke at this point. Players don't yeah. even really want to go. They should just right. get rid of it. Just make it a skills competition. Let them play dodgeball or some stupid stuff. That, that'd be yeah. more entertaining than the Pro Bowl. Definitely, definitely. But So, yeah, it was just a very heart-wrenching moment for me. Paxson had a couple flashes of moments. I mean, that's kind of what he's been. He's been kind of that flash guy. His throw to Devontae Booker, I think it was one of the better throws of the year. Tight window. Had to have perfect timing, had to have great 
accuracy, had to have lots of touch on it. Just it was a great throw. And it goes from being called a touchdown to getting called back. And then a couple plays later, all of a sudden we have an interception. And that just, I guess that's the Broncos season in, in a nutshell. A couple moments of hope surrounded by lots of moments of disappointment. Sounds like me taking somebody on a date. <laughs> hey no, I'm just <laughs> Sorry, Natalie, I love you. No, yeah. I'm <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's been frustrating. It's, I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm at the point where I'm not tanking. We talked, we talked about this the last two weeks, but like this team, it, these are preseason games from this point on. It's about evaluating what you have and implementing maybe some new concepts that you can work on for the future, which, I mean, sucks. This isn't a point where we're used to being. When, I mean, this was the last time this was happening was Kyle Orton days, which is Josh McDaniels days, just dark, dark, terrible, terrible. But, I mean, that, that's where we are, and we got to be honest with it. Mm-hmm. This team is far away from being competitive. The quarterback is a huge issue, obviously. You have wide receivers that are getting older. That's going to be a huge issue. You don't really have a wide receiver three that's stepping up. You have issues with tight ends. Uh, You have two running backs that are young that probably need to start getting carries because you have two guys that are out the door probably in C.J. Anderson and Jamal Charles. I'm I'm guessing there's going to be a mass exodus with the defense. We we saw a tweet from Ben Albright and talking with Eric today. They're talking about potentially guys like Brandon Marshall being gone, Aqib Tlaib being gone. Who, uh, Who is the other one? Darian Stewart. Darian Stewart being gone. Yeah, just like a huge just changing of the guard of this team, which granted, you know, the Brandon Marshall and the Darian Stewart contracts, they're not performing up to what they're getting paid right now. That's true. But it's just, it's, it's insane to see how much of a change we've had on this team. And it's, it's going to change a lot more going forward. So it's, it's going to get ugly. I'm guessing uh, there's going to be some, some sad fans. You know, if you lose a guy that's been as fun and been successful like Tlaib and Stewart from a championship defense, you know, that, that sucks, but that's the nature of the game. You know, you have to adapt or die. Yeah. And right now the Broncos are at a point where they're dead. So they better, gosh, well adapt. Otherwise they're going to continue being dead. Right. And, and the best teams in the league are the ones that can, can move on from mistakes in a hurry. But they don't just continue to, to hope that something better is going to turn out. And I feel like a little bit of that's been the Broncos almost trying to say, okay, we still have most of the pieces from that 2015 defense, so we can kind of compete. We think we're pretty good, but we're not. It just things are not the same. And the Broncos have to get to a point of realizing they just have to hit that reset button on a lot of things. Doesn't mean that they can't be competitive, but that's part of the reason you're hitting the reset button because we're not competitive at all right now. That, <laughs> most of our games have not been a one-score game where you could say, all right, get a couple more pieces, that turns that game. No, it's been blowouts. So lots of change coming, and we'll get into some of that here in this show. But this show's focus is all things that pertain to your Denver Broncos. We'll be bringing you these game previews every single week to get you ready for the upcoming game and how to be watching the game, hopefully as a smarter fan. With Nick and myself being film junkies, we'll be bringing these previews with the scout-based perspective, breaking down the matchups from a player's skill set and X's and O's perspective. You can follow myself on Twitter at Carl Dumbler MHH and as well as follow Nick at Nick Kendall MHH. Be sure to tweet us any questions or opinions you have because we live for talking Bronco football. You can also follow the podcast Twitter account at HuddleUpPod and make sure to check out ours and our co-writers written content at MileHighHuddle.com, a part of Scout.com and an affiliate of the CBS Sports Digital Network. We know you listeners are as football and Bronco crazy as we are, so please give us a click and subscribe to us on iTunes as well as Stitcher. And don't forget to share us on Facebook and Twitter. 
We wouldn't be here today without you listeners. So please take the time to rate and subscribe to let your voices be heard on how you enjoy the show. Now, we have a lot to get to today, but I also want to take this time to say thank you to our sponsor, Rep the Squad, and draw your attention to one of the coolest services for a Broncos fan out there. Rep the Squad is a jersey subscription club that lets you rep every jersey you want. With hundreds of jerseys, Rep the Squad lets you switch between your favorite stars and styles whenever you like. Adult memberships are $19.95 per month and youth are $16.95 per month. New jerseys arrive fresh and clean in two to three days. It's like Netflix for jerseys. Rep the Squad allows you to rep the Orange Crush all season long, no matter if it's a home jersey, away, or alternate. Free shipping both ways. Cancel anytime. Use promotion code HUDDLE, that's H-U-D-D-L-E, to get 50% off your first month at repthesquad.com. That's promo code HUDDLE at repthesquad.com. So here we go with the Broncos facing off with maybe one of the few other teams that are as terrible as the Broncos right now and the Miami Dolphins. I was looking, they, they've had a five-game losing streak, and in all, in all but one of those games, they've been blowouts. They've had one one-score game. They had the, what was it, like 40-0 to zero loss to Baltimore on a Thursday night or Monday night game, one of the two. That was ugly. That was yeah. bad. That, that was really bad. So, again, <laughs> this, is not, this is not good football. Neither team is playing great. And, and the Broncos going into to Miami, this has been one of the worst places for the Broncos to, to play. They are 1-7 in, in their history against Miami. Nick, can you remember who was the starting quarterback of the one time the Broncos won in Miami? Jake Plummer. No. Oh, man. Oh, it's Tebow. It was Tebow. It was Tebow. There you go. That That was a nuts game. That was the the overtime 18 to 15 win. Broncos scored 15 points, I think it was, in the the fourth quarter. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. That was the the Tebow magic happening. That was one of the – was that the start of it? I think it was either like his first or second comeback, and it was was a crazy game. And with how bad the Broncos have been this year, I'm going to shoot myself for saying this, but – Gosh, I kind of miss Tim Tebow. <laughs> it was fun. I mean, at least it was fun. It was. It not even fun. I mean, was, I love the Broncos watching football, but I found myself just, just more frustrated watching these games. With the Tebow games, it almost felt like it was a, a carefree, like, oh, let's see what happens this week, and just something improbable. Yeah, you, you could go at least three and a half quarters of terrible football, but you still stayed glued because of that one half of football, or one half of a quarter of football, where fireworks to be shooting off left and right. And you're just going, how is this guy doing this? How does he go from the worst quarterback in the NFL to all of a sudden he's winning the game? Uh, it was, that was fun. That really was. And it was nice to have a defense that didn't just start giving up when the offense wasn't doing anything early in the game. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. I, I think I don't blame them at this point though. At, at I, this point. <laughs> well, yes, at this point, but it just, that's the hard part for me. I think some this year is it seems like for the last about five games, six games, what I mean, I know this losing streak's been going on here for a little bit, but during this time, it's not just been the offense has been terrible. It's just the defense has, they've given up a lot of even early scores in games. Like I could understand if say later in the game, about halfway through, you're starting to see the offense isn't going to do anything. They keep turning the ball over, but we've had games where the offense actually went down either scored a field goal, not usually touchdowns, but usually a field goal. And it's looking like, hey, at least they're moving the football, doing something. And then the defense gives up a touchdown right off the bat. 
that, that's just it's been hard to watch. There, there's just there's not the fight that we've seen from a Denver Broncos team at least of the last five years. The 2015 year, I, I just always go back to that of that being one of the most mentally tough teams I've ever seen in the NFL, especially that defense. The offense was turning it over ridiculous amounts of time. And the defense would just go out there and be like, oh, well, we'll make a stop. Don't worry about it. It was it was incredible to watch. They, they expected to go make a big play on the defense. And this year, it's kind of like, oh, offense turned it over. Well, let's just give up. Yeah, you hate to see it, but at this point, I mean, it just there's been cracks in the foundation. There's issues in the locker room. There's issues with coaching. There's players that aren't going to be here next year. So it's it's honestly time to sit a bunch of those vets and play the young guys and <laughs> don't even worry about don't even worry about the outcome of the game. Just go out there, get better, improve, look to execute, play fundamentally sound, and go out there and just get better. Period. Yeah. You know, we're out of the playoffs. Honestly, it's probably I'm not cheering for the team to lose. But it's probably better for the team if you get a higher pick, you get a chance to maybe trade down or get one of those top guys in this class. So, I mean, it's not about the wins or loss at this point. It's about evaluating those guys and getting them better for 2018 because this team is terrible right now. It's probably going to be a multi-year rebuild, which sucks because the Broncos haven't had back-to-back losing seasons since, gosh, I want to say the end of the 60s. Maybe it was the beginning of the 70s. But the longest streak in the NFL by far. And I'm not sure that this team looks like, I don't know how they can turn it around that quickly. You know, you still have a great defense. You know, you're talking about the defense kind of giving up, but they still having a pretty good year. Uh, they are ranked fourth against both the run and pass in terms of yards per game. Uh, the run is 87.2 yards per game. Pass is 201.9 yards per game. And that's the only team in the NFL that's top five in both categories. But they are giving up points at a pretty alarming rate. Uh, 280 points given up this year. Granted, some of that's on special teams and some of that's on the offense as well. A lot of, a lot of that's on the offense, not directly as well. Indirectly, a lot of that's on the offense. But still, it's frustrating to see. And luckily, this, this Miami team struggling on offense, even with a brilliant mastermind offensively. I, st- I still think he's a very good offensive mind in uh, Adam Gase. But yeah, they, they're struggling. The Broncos are struggling. And this, is, this, could be some, this could be some ugly football. Granted, sometimes the ugly games are the most fun to watch because anything goes. Definitely. And, and like I said, this, is, this really is evaluation time in the NFL. And that, that kind of brings us here to, to some of our matchups because – some of these are actually going to include some of our young guys and how they're going to have to match up against against Miami. And the the first one that I really wanted to look at here today, and when I'm when I'm writing out these key matchups, here's how I usually try to break it down: is one, what is the strength of the the opposing team? Two, what is the weakness of the opposing team? And so then I kind of try to see how will the Broncos match up? How can they attack this team? And starting with the strength of the Miami Dolphins, it starts with their front four on defense. They have some incredible talent at this unit. And obviously Broncos offensive line has not really been a strength this year. And so I thought we'd maybe talk a little bit about what they bring on their front four and maybe maybe a couple guys we might be seeing this week for the Broncos. I, I don't know. We haven't actually heard how they're going to break things up, but but some guys like McGovern, uh, Wilkinson, those are or Wil- is it Wil- Wilkerson, right? Yes, Elijah Wilkerson. Yeah maybe how they, they could match up against some of these guys. Cause they, this would be a great testing point to see how those young guys are going to do. Cause they're going to go against guys like, like, like Sue. Uh, I, I grew up obviously here in Kansas dated a girl that was from, uh, or that loved the Nebraska Huskers. My wife is actually from Nebraska. So this is a guy that I have grown up known for quite a while, clear back from his, his Nebraska days. And, and he was, he was actually one of the first players I really remember like 
draft wise, like just watching a ton of tape on because I'd already watched a ton of his games. And in college, I just remember him taking up two to three defenders every single play. And he still would burst through them. He'd like pick up like two guys with each arm and then push the other guy with his chest right back into the quarterback. I'm, I'm kind of exaggerating a little bit, but <laughs> that's how it felt at times when he was was on the field. And he almost took them to a Big 12 championship almost by himself. There, there wasn't a whole lot of talent. There was some talent on that Nebraska team, but he just was that dominant. And, and so Miami, this is a team that signed him to, at the time, the biggest defensive contract in NFL history. And what would you say that he's lived up to that contract? Because I know a lot of, like right now, everybody's asking, is Von Miller living up to his contract? Von Miller's living up to his contract. That's for sure. But I, I don't think he is because this defense is struggling and he's getting, they've been struggling. I mean, they just still have talent on the defensive front for sure. But they're just not a great defense. And I don't know if I'm willing to make a defensive tackle, especially one that isn't Aaron Donald the centerpiece of my defense and they're paying him like he is the centerpiece of that defense. So I think, I think Cameron wake, honestly, we'll talk about him here soon. I'm sure. Sorry to steal your thunder there, but I think Cameron wakes probably the more impactful player for that defense. And Sue, while he's a great player, I don't know if he's worth the contract he's getting paid. I'm with you there. He's still a very impactful player, but when we're talking needing, when he's getting paid, like one of the top players in the NFL and he's not producing quite at that level, he's definitely getting overpaid. Von Miller right now, he is still playing like one of the best defensive players in the NFL. He's earning his contract. I know the numbers aren't quite there, but it's just the eye test. You you watch him play and you can see he's having one of the most impactful years of his life. He just doesn't have quite the talent around him. He doesn't have the offense that's doing anything to give him a chance to get after the quarterback. I mean, imagine if he was playing with the lead, how many sacks he would have this year? A lot. <laughs> if he had a person on the other side that was actually making a bigger impact than what we're seeing from Shaq Barrett and Shane Ray or, or the had, yeah or an inside guy doing anything that would that would make teams not have to double team him every single play but yeah Sue good player not not what I would consider a great player and and you mentioned the next guy I wanted to talk about here and Cameron Wake this guy is 35 years old this is when, when I look at what I'm hoping Von Miller can continue to be for the Broncos as he gets a little bit older, he's what? Von Miller's 28, is that right? Yes. 28. So we're, we're looking at seven years into the future for Von Miller. Could he still be Cameron Wake? Because this guy, he's been ageless this year. He has eight sacks, 22 tackles on the season. Last year had 11 and a half sacks. He ended up as one of the top graded edge rushers in all of football made the second team all pro at the age of 34 and he started out the year they, they were using him as a situational pass rusher to start the year and he's just playing so good they're like we can't keep this guy off the field that he is just he's incredible to watch yeah he's a great story too you know playing cfl football and coming on to the dolphins and just one of the better edge rushers in the league you know, we talked about, I guess this podcast has come out before that, but we talked on the NFL Draft podcast about Bradley Chubb. And Chubb reminds me a lot of Wake. You know, granted, Wake plays that left end where he can go against right tackles, you know, better matchup. Those right tackles aren't normally as good, but strength, power, speed, winning with leverage, using different types of pass moves to get there. And at 35, he's, he's still as good as, I mean, he's not as good as he's ever been, but he's still a top tier edge rusher in the NFL. And, you know, granted, they don't really have, 
another great edge rusher across from him. But I'm I'm a big fan of him, and I am just scared to death, scared to death of if Barber is going at right tackle against him because Wake can take his money. I mean, it's granted it's not going against you know Demarcus Lawrence or Melvin Ingram or you know one of those guys, but Cameron Wake's a really good edge rusher, and I'm whether it be Wilkerson or Barber or whoever, they're good. They're going to have a tough matchup against Wake, and I I feel bad for Trevor Simeon on that side because I think he's going to take a few hits. Yeah, that and this is where. Like you said, we're in the evaluation process. We already know that Barber is not the future at the right tackle position. So this is where I'd like to see a guy get a chance against a top-level guy like Cameron Wake. You get a really good evaluation of of what kind of talent you're going to have to go against, especially in the AFC West. He's that next tier down from some of the AFC West guys. And I, I don't know. It just I want to see those young guys get a chance against this defensive line. And this year... The Broncos will not have another year like this, I would say, of how many great defensive lines they've had to go against week in, week out. They just happen to pretty much have the top divisions that they're having to play, AFC East, AFC West, and uh, NFC East. Yeah, there we go. Of, Of teams that just actually have great defensive lines or at least have great talent somewhere on that defensive line. And... This is another week. It's just there's no exception to it. I mean, the the one team that I would say we haven't played that we played that didn't have a great defensive line is probably one of the best teams we played in the Patriots, and and we actually did pretty good against them. But that's not a great test to see how they're going to do the rest of the year. So Cameron Wake, great player, another guy. I was actually pretty high on this guy coming out in the draft was Jordan Phillips, an interior guy from Oklahoma, weighs 330 pounds, just a. Uh, guy that demands double teams. He has a lot of power, but he's uneven. This, that, that's the word I would use for his play. There's weeks he comes into the game and he, and he dominates. He does well holding up against those double teams, can shed guys to, to make the tackle. And then the next week he does nothing, gets blown out of the play. So I, I just don't even know what to think about this guy. Yeah, he's definitely – he's consistently inconsistent. Uh, definitely has the – size that you want for that position. But he, I remember he was a guy that the Broncos were rumored to get when they were transitioning to that three, four, you know, needed a nose tackle in there. And I always just was, had issues with how stiff he was. He played very high with his pad level. And I I mean, you see the flashes of the strength and the length and everything, but he just doesn't hold blocks that well. You know, he's not a guy who does a great job. Like we see with Pecco, Pecco can destroy run lanes and he can take up multiple blockers. You know, we still play that more of that one gap system but you still need guys that can eat up offensive linemen to keep those linebackers clean. And especially in a four, three where you typically have smaller off ball linebackers and Phillips just doesn't do a good job with that. And he offers practically nothing as a pass rusher. Granted, I say that now and then I'll probably destroy Max Garcia this week or something, but that's just how it goes. But yeah, as a guy that I definitely think he's been uh, not a great player. And one of the reasons that the Dolphins have struggled so much to stop the run, because for being a 330 pound guy, he's, he's soft. You know, you can run it at him. You can get under his pads and you can lift him off and you can get some run lines. Yeah, definitely. Like I said, he has a couple games that give you hope every year that make you say there's a reason that he was a second round pick, but he always follow the, follows those up with about two or three games where you're just like, what happened? Where did you go? So, uh, yeah, I would run it at him. I think Garcia having that kind of matchup against him, uh, I think Garcia can win that one. Garcia, especially in the run game, he does pretty good at firing off low, driving guys off the ball. That's that's the the one strength that he really has to his game. So this could be a, a decent matchup for him. 
And and finally, they have this guy, Andre Branch, who they just signed to a, a nice contract. He was kind of that, uh, that situational guy for them, more of that rotational, whatever you want to call it, last year because they had Mario Williams. But he was just producing so well for them. He had five and a half sacks and 48 pressures as a part-time player for them. And so they gave him this big contract because they actually started starting him over Mario Williams, their big, big name player. But this year he hasn't really done as much. He had three sacks in the first four games, looking pretty good. The team was looking pretty good. And he's had zero since. So this is another guy. I think it's a pretty good matchup. I think Garrett Bowles, this is maybe one of those get right games for him because Andre Branch just really isn't, he's more, he's better as a situational player than as a starter, in my opinion. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I agree. He's a guy that I don't think he has the athletic tools where you want him as a primary edge rusher. I do like his versatility. He is kind of a inside-outside guy. I did like watching him at Clemson. Strong, could get off. Uh, he has lost some weight since coming to the NFL. He was more of a, I think he was up to 275 at Clemson. You know, strong, a strong edge, so to speak, but not the best pass rusher. I mean, for his career, uh, he only has, he has 20 sacks over six, seven seasons, three sacks this season. So he's, he's never been a really a high volume sack guy. Second round pick by the Jags when he came out also. So pretty highly valued in that regard, but never really been the twitchiest guy. And I thought, I think you can probably do better there. And I think the, the Dolphins probably think they can do better there as well because they used a first round draft pick on uh, Charles Harris from Missouri this year, who's, they're working him in slowly, kind of like Shane Ray was working slowly his first year, but he's got athletic tools and can get to the passer as well. So they, they have some talent there on the defensive line and, when they have like a purely nickel situations, I've I've seen Harris getting in there more and more when I've watched the tape. Yeah, no, it, it's it's a pretty good unit there, some pretty good pieces, but still some holes that you can re- definitely attack, and and they got some aging pieces that they're they're gonna have to be looking to, to replace here pretty soon with Sue and and Wake. He seems ageless, but there's got to be a point where he starts falling off a little bit. So yeah. I, this is this is a game. Like I said, I, I want to see the Broncos put in a couple of their young guys see what they can do against this kind of unit, especially these veterans that probably will abuse a, a young player. And But just a, a good opportunity to, to learn some things about your players. And uh, so I'm interested to see what happens there. Broncos can really get, especially in the run game, can really take advantage of this team. But I wanted to, to go into the second one, and that is the Bronco cornerbacks versus the Dolphin wide receivers because this is going to be an interesting matchup. Akeem Tlaib, it came out today. He is going to serve a one-game suspension. Got reduced. So he is going to miss this game, and that's going to mean Brendan Langley is going to get extended reps again. And it was not pretty that first time, was it? No, it was not. And I've been calling for him to play, and I had some tweets at me saying, what are you talking about? I still think he should be out there playing. This is a lost season. Get it? Let's send him out there. You know, maybe not as many snaps, maybe a little bit more zone coverage where he, he was getting abused in man. And the, the Dolphins do have some good wide receivers, but I'm fine playing them. I'm fine playing the young guys. Like I said, it's an evaluation period. The outcome of the game doesn't matter to me. I don't think it matters to Oh, I mean, of course he wants to win, but you're not playing for anything besides the guys in the, around you. Get tape out there to get better on and trial through fire. You know, get, get better and learn how to play. Exactly. And, and this, is a, this is an interesting matchup. The, the Dolphins have, I think they have some of the more what I would consider versatile or not versatile i'm looking at they just have a very wide range of weapons here jarvis landry he's more of your kind of slot wide receiver make those short passes try to make some people miss that's why he's a punt returner as well 
has some decent speed, but not great long speed, I would say. And he's had 75 receptions already on the year, only for 637 yards. He's only averaging about eight yards a catch, which is not great in the NFL. But yeah, that's that's a tough matchup. That's an interesting one for the Broncos. And that's one I think, obviously, Chris Harris is probably going to take on with Jarvis Landry a lot in this one. That's going to be a fun matchup to watch. But then they have a guy, Kenny Steeles. He is more of your big-time deep threat guy. He has 43 receptions this year, but 10 plays of over 20 yards. That's that's where his game is at. Getting deep over the top. He has 635 yards for five touchdowns. So again, you got you got your short guy, you got your long guy, and then you got your I guess you'd call your possession receiver in Devontae Parker, who's probably been one of the bigger disappointments for the Dolphins. He was that first round pick. Was he like 14th or 15th overall in 2015? Yes, I think he was pretty high up there. Definitely, I think he was the second wide receiver taken in that draft. Yeah, they they, they thought he would be a, become a star for them. He's 6'3", 212 pounds, big hands. He just he was, he was kind of expected to be something for him and obviously hasn't turned into much. He killed it so, at the Combine. He was yeah. a monster at the Combine. He high weight, speed, running routes, just, just killing it, but just hasn't, hasn't translated. It definitely had, has had some injuries, had some injuries as well. So, yeah. And, and I, I just, I, the, what I've seen of him, he's not a guy that I see the fight that you want in a wide receiver. He sucks at getting off press coverage. Mm-hmm. That he is so bad at getting off press coverage. He can't do it. That's yeah. something that you I mean, you didn't really see it at Louisville. And that's a big risk of taking wide receivers in those kind of schemes. He just, he can't get off press coverage. So I'd, I'd love to see Langley paired up on this guy. Langley, you know, he's a former wide receiver, more of a special teams contributor this year, but Langley's big, long, and aggressive. Let him get in Parker's face. Let him ruffle some feathers. You know, if he gets beat over the top a couple times or once or whatever, it happens. But I think that's a situation where I'd love to see him get in there. And, you know, you're, you're a big, strong, physical guy. Go be a big, strong, physical guy. Yeah, play, play to the strengths of the player. That's, yeah. that's what you're supposed to try to do. And... Yeah, so that would be a great matchup for him. But I'm looking forward to this because we are going to see some younger guys get some opportunities like Langley. And like I said, it doesn't matter. If he gets beat, he gets beat. <laughs> the outcome of this game, and that's that's what makes this this podcast a little bit tough, is we are we are here to try to teach you of, of some maybe areas the Broncos can try to exploit. And now we're kind of changing gears a little bit of, okay, well, let's see some matchups. And let's it's like, like you said, it's like preseason. You're looking at matchups. You're looking at one-on-one. How did this guy do in his matchup? It's not whether they won the play as a team. It's how did this guy do? And so Langley, great opportunity for him. I'm, I'm excited to watch that one. Yeah, and he, he definitely needs a chance to redeem himself because he had a pretty pretty bad game last week. But I, it's a lost season. The season's not going anywhere. Play the young guys. Get the tape out there. You know, Maybe getting beat a few times lights that fire this offseason. Like, wow, I'm not going to get embarrassed like that again. And they go out there and train that much harder, you know, than have that tape to get better off of. But I, I definitely, I'm, I mean, I don't want to leave to be suspended. It's great. He's only one game now, but I was actually okay with the two games. You know, I want to see the young guys play. I'm, I want to see him put Pecco and Wolf on IR. You know, those guys are injured. Don't risk them to more injury. You know, put the young guys in there. It's get, evaluate what you can get, get those young guys better, get the bottom of that roster better and just start aiming through 2018. I know I'm going to say it 300 times going forward, but if that's just, that, that needs to be what the team's mindset is going forward. And it's tough. You know, you have guys that are out there to win. Maybe maybe me being a guy that's not in that locker room. Uh, that's preposterous of me to keep suggesting that. But that that's where I want to go as an analyst as a, and as a fan. 
Definitely. And, and you're seeing other teams make those same decisions. Giants benching a healthy Eli Manning. He, a two-time Super Bowl winning future Hall of Fame face of the franchise did everything you could possibly want for that team. Eli Manning. I'm, I'm actually a little bit heated about that. That's, that's just that's disrespectful. It is. And you could tell in his interview he was pretty heated about the decision. But yeah, I'm glad he made the decision because they're asking about, oh, do you want to continue your streak? Like that's a... That's a terrible thing to ask a player. Hey, would you like to continue your starting streak? That's why we'll keep playing you. No, I, I want you to keep playing me because I want to win. <laughs> that, that's just that's just crazy. I I can't see him returning to the Giants. No way. He is going to be a Jaguar. I can almost guarantee it. They will rescind that fifth-year option on Bortles, who has been better this year, but still not great. I mean, they're not asking him to do a lot. Hand the ball off to Fournette. Okay, now hand the ball to Fournette again. All right, it's third down. How about you hand the ball off the forehand? That's that's pretty much what Bortles has been doing this year. And with Tom Coughlin there and the Jags being probably a, just a decent quarterback away from being very good with that defense, probably the best defense in the NFL right now. I think there's, I think Eli Manning's a no-brainer to the Jags. How, how about it's we also, do this? Six, I, oh, sorry. How about we do this? I, I know this isn't in our notes, but maybe maybe take one section out here and 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 maybe do this. Let, let's play quarterback pairings. Where oh, we man. think a quarterback will actually end up. Okay, okay. Because the the free agent or draft talk for the Broncos of where they're going to go with the quarterback, I think that's, that's such a huge storyline right now, obviously. And so Eli Manning, a guy that maybe many didn't think was going to be available, and, and so many had Kirk Cousins going to the Jaguars. Well, if Eli goes there, obviously Kirk's not going there. So how does that change things? It's just so many different dominoes that can fall that change who's going to be the starting quarterback for the Broncos, in my opinion. Yeah, it definitely, definitely could change things dramatically. Obviously the big domino that's going to fall is most likely the big domino that's going to fall is Kirk cousins. And I mean, he's going to get big money. There's no doubt about that. Looking at cap space for 2018, you got a teams like the 49ers still have a lot of money. Jimmy Garoppolo is probably going to stay there, but you know, you never know. The Browns have over, hundred million dollars in cap space, but it sounds like they're probably going to go quarterback in the draft. Uh, Redskins still have a lot of money as well. Um, the team that's sticking out to me though, is the Buffalo bills. Buffalo bills have a solid team, uh, 42 million in cap space. And I think the regime that could use a quarterback like that, you know, they have the money to do it. And Tom Brady, I mean, maybe he's a cyborg and he's never going to age and regress, but a lot of money. And I, I think bills make a lot of sense. Okay. How about, uh, you just want to do this right now? Sure. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod Taylor is one that I could see actually coming to the Broncos, uh, being completely honest. They've been linked to him in the past, and he's kind of a guy that you can probably get away with a two-year deal that can be more of a bridge quarterback. He's, he's quality enough where he can, it's not going to be like you're stuck with Simeon and Mark Sanchez, but he's not a, he's not a franchise quarterback. He's like a Tier 4 quarterback where he, he can start for you, but you're looking to replace him. And if the Broncos, you know, take a quarterback first, second round this year, that's not quite ready or, you know, you need a guy to compete with them. I think Tyrod is a good option there. I also could see Tyrod being a guy that could go to the Giants for the same reasons. Um, Giants probably going to take a quarterback. I mean, they put in Geno Smith this year, probably trying to out tank the Broncos. That's, I mean, it is what it is in that regard. So I could see him going to the Giants and maybe the Jets as well. Josh McCown is a guy who's older and could be available. But those are some teams with cap space and the means to, to sign a guy like Tyrod Taylor. Okay, let's just, I'll put these two together because you can tell me, do you think they'll still be with their present team or 
cut and going somewhere else? Drew Brees, Phillip Rivers. I think both are going to stay with their respective teams. Okay. I think there's, there's guys that are always talked about, oh, maybe they're going to be available, but they never are. So I'm not, I'm not going to fall for that. If Breeze is available, though, I'm thinking Elway pulls out all the stops. Although how attractive is the Broncos spot right now? Not, not that attractive, to be completely honest. So that's, uh, that's where we're at. And I think, I, but I think both those guys are going to stay. Okay. I'm trying to think. Uh, okay, here we go. Viking quarterbacks. Interesting. I think Teddy's going to stay. I think Keenum's going to stay. And I think Bradford's going to be on the open market. Again, another stopgap guy. Honestly, I mean, probably ideal for the Broncos if they're not, if they lose out on Kirk Cousins or they don't get a top guy in the draft, or even if they do get a top guy in the draft. I don't see Bradford pulling in big money. He's a guy that's going to be more of a stopgap, you know, one year, two years, warming the seat for a younger quarterback to take his spot. Okay. How about Ryan Tannehill? I know he's not a free agent, but there's been talk that, that he could become one. I think Ryan Tannehill stays unless the Dolphins lose out and get a top pick. The only way a lot of these guys aren't on their respective teams is if their teams lose enough or trade up and get Darnold or Rosen. I think those are the two prize jewels. That's what it sounds like talking with scouts. Uh, you know, There's some media push for Lamar Jackson and Baker Mayfield, who I do like, but I think Rosen and Darnold are the top two guys. And if you get one of those two guys, they're probably playing year one. And that will change, you know, what you do with the quarterback you have on your roster currently. Okay. Uh, is there any others I'm missing? I mean, you have a guy like Brett Hundley who could be available. Uh, Mike Glennon could be available. Josh McCown is an interesting name. Uh, maybe, maybe Andrew Luck or Jacoby Brissett. Probably not either of them. I think they probably both stay where they're at. Yeah, looking over my over the over the list of teams, that's probably those are probably the guys. Oh, okay. and uh, Alex Smith maybe. Oh yeah, yeah. Forgot about him. What do you think happens there? Gosh, <laughs> I don't know. They, all these guys that that tier where they're kind of older and they're more of that uh, stopgap kind of guy. That's where I think the Broncos are going to go. They're going to guy that's going to be the obvious starter this year. No, no question about it. Uh, obtained before the draft, and then have a younger guy to kind of groom and put it there. But you're not going to have that guy that's you know. Oh, maybe we have a journeyman like Mark Sanchez or something like that. Or I don't think Trevor Simeon's on this team next year either. I just can't see that happening again. I don't think Elway would stand for that with having some PTSD of uh, what's happened the past two seasons. But Alex Smith is another interesting one. Honestly, the quarterback crop in this free agency class looks better than the tackle crop. Yeah, it, it does. And I've gone back and forth so many times. I know we're kind of getting off topic, but I, I just feel like this is kind of where things are going of more off season looks for this Bronco team, obviously. And I've gone back and forth of, I would love to go the the free agent market and then get a guy like Connor Williams that you can protect and have those bookend tackles for the next five, 10 years. As then whatever young quarterback you finally do have come in has that established offensive line in front of them. I would love that. At the same time, I also, I also know teams that have spent big money on free agent quarterbacks other than Peyton Manning. Things have not usually worked out well. Even teams that just pay their own quarterback big time money. You think of like Aaron Rodgers when he finally got his big contract. They haven't won a Super Bowl since. You think about like Matthew Stafford. He's always gotten pretty big money. And he's kept his team competitive, but I don't know about Super Bowl. Russell Wilson, prime example. Yeah, exactly. Kirk Cousins, a guy that so many Bronco fans want to, to get. I keep thinking... Washington is that great showing of you're paying your quarterback so much. It's hard to surround them with enough talent. They're, they're good enough to compete. But is that good enough for you as a Bronco fan just to compete? Because I, I view it as you sign Kirk Cousins, 
you compete for playoffs. You got to, unless you have like a Tom Brady, a Peyton Manning, those kind of quarterbacks, you have to go about the draft way and just hope that you get the guy that pans out. You have to take that kind of risk. Yep, I am in total agreement with you. All right, well, we're going to go to our final key matchup of this game. And that is just because there's so many different connections here. I just thought this was kind of interesting to talk about and just where they're at as coaches. And that is Vance Joseph versus Adam Gase. And we all know Vance Joseph. He became a Bronco after being the defensive coordinator under Gase. Gase was obviously the offensive coordinator here for a few years and produced the highest scoring offense in NFL history with Peyton Manning there in that 2013 season. That was so magical. And I I think there was quite a few that thought maybe he would become the Broncos head coach for a little bit there. And last year, first year head coach leads the Dolphins to a playoff berth. But we obviously see this year they have their five game losing streak. They're pretty much in the same boat as the Broncos of let's just start looking to next year. I guess let's just start in the conversation. And and I know this isn't like key matchup, but it's just it's an interesting conversation. Do you think. Joseph and Gase are both head coaches for their current team next year. I think Gase is, but hearing everything, I don't think Vance Joseph is going to be back. I think that it's not just that this team lost, but it's that it's the way they lost, and it seems like he lost the locker room. I don't know if Vance Joseph has confidence in himself right now, and I think that the old, you know, we had a good week of practice and everything, that, that's, uh, that's getting pretty thin. And I, I think Ellis is probably holding that way back from firing him right now. <laughs> But I don't think I don't think Joseph is going to make it uh, through the offseason. I know it's all about stability. Um, it's really important to have stability. You don't want to be the Browns where you're firing a coach after one year, year after year. I mean, what is it? Three head coaches in the Elway era now. That's that's not great. But I don't think Vance Joseph to me is showing that he's not not competent enough. And I think that we're going to look elsewhere. I think I think we'll probably go the the John Fox route, not getting John Fox, but the John Fox route where we'll go after a more uh, stable presence at head coach where you know maybe maybe it's not going to be the flashiest guy ever, but at least you know that he can coach NFL football teams. He knows how to handle locker room and brings that stability. Definitely. We, we've, we've heard some names thrown around one to kind of keep an eye on. That's it's very interesting to me, John Harbaugh and everybody's going, well, he's already the coach of the Baltimore Ravens. Well, we're hearing that things aren't, things are not great between him and, and the front office there. So there, there is a chance that he would become available. And I do know he and John Elway are decent friends. And we've seen in the past where Elway, when he gets along with his head coach, where he can communicate well with him, with like Kubiak, things have worked out pretty well for the Broncos. So uh, that uh, that would be an interesting name to keep an eye on. Uh, obviously, he's got to get fired or quit his other job to become the Broncos head coach. But there, there's going to be a lot of crazy changes, not only for the Broncos. And, and I mean, this is just going to happen around the league. There's going to be a lot of new coaches for sure. Yeah. I agree with you, and I think Gase has shown enough that I don't think he's going to be fired. I know this is a bad team right now, but he's shown well enough in multiple places to be a pretty good offensive mastermind. And when you lose your quarterback, that's, I mean, a borderline franchise quarterback type, uh, but preseason, and you have to bring in Jay Cutler to compete with Matt Moore to be your quarterback, I mean, that's that's just asking for not to be successful. And they have, they have not a great defense. I mean, they're – we talked about the defensive line, but that back unit of that defense, not impressive. You got Kiko Alonso, who's not great. Uh, older guy, you know, hasn't been there and had some injuries. 
uh, Ray Maluga, there's backups like Justin, uh, Mark Lillard, just not, not a good defense. I mean, it, right. And then they got good. they got two really young guys playing cornerback right now as starters. Yeah, Tankersley and Xavier Howard, who both uh, – Tankersley, I've liked. He's kind of that longer press corner guy, but not the most fluid down the field. I really do like uh, Rashad Jones, who's been a strong safety there for a long time, probably one of the more underrated safeties in football. Undrafted free agent Michael Thomas. I mean, this, this is not a good team, not a good defense. The offensive line has struggled tremendously as well. I mean, they got a young talent in Tunsil, decent right tackle in James, and you got to like Marquise Pouncey, the center – but their guards are absolutely garbage, and their running backs are not good either. They traded Jay because he was a locker room headache. Now they got Kenyon Drake back there, who's more of a complimentary back. So this this is a team that's just it's just it's just not very good. And we're we're gonna see Matt Moore, you know, just seeing what he can do this week. But it's it's ugly. This is a this is a bad team. I'd say they have less talent right now than the Broncos do, but the Broncos are in more disarray, and that I think that comes down from the top. I mean, Elway deserves blame for that, but also coaching. So I think Gase is a, a more stabling guy and better offensive mastermind. And I, I would be fine to bring Gase in here if he was fired, honestly. Yeah, I would too. I, I like Gase a lot. I think players respond well to him. I know he's a guy that loves loves his players. I, I remember hearing stories of him after the the terrible Super Bowl. And like he was just, like he was inconsolable from what I understand at the after party, which I don't know why you have an after party after getting blown out in the Super Bowl, but... Lots of booze. He was just... Yeah. Lots of booze. He, he was, I mean, he just went around to pretty much everybody on the team and apologized for how terrible the job he did. Uh, he just held himself accountable for his mistakes. And I, I love that in a coach. I, I think that's great. I, I think you, you, you got to expect that in a coach. They're going to make mistakes. Even the great Bill Belichick, he has made his fair share of mistakes along the way. He's had his own players tell stories of players that they cut that were like a year early. Otherwise, they could have won a couple more Super Bowls kind of thing. So just just things like that. But Gase, I just love he keeps himself accountable. He's a humble guy. And he just he brings something, especially if we go a young quarterback, to have a guy like Adam Gase as the mastermind behind developing an offense. Oh, I would love that. It's kind of like what McVay's doing for the Rams right now. You just get that young mind that has these these ideas of how to – play to the strengths of your player as a quarterback. They just, they understand that they didn't grow up in the old traditional pocket passer mentality. You're just not finding that as much anymore coming out of college. I think Josh Rosen can be that type of guy. So you can go get an old school type coach if you get a Josh Rosen, but the rest of them, I don't think you can. So yeah, Adam Gase, I would love to see him back here in Denver. I think he loved Denver. It would be an interesting pairing for sure. But no, it's going to be interesting to see those two coaching against each other this week and just see uh, <laughs> see what they can do with not great talent on the field. Yeah, and it's a, kind of a homecoming for VJ too, having been the Dolphins defensive coordinator last year, which not a great unit and you know, leader of men. I'm, I'm, I stood up for VJ, but this, the way he's lost this team, it's, it's pretty frustrating. Granted, it's still LA deserves some blame. The other coaches deserve blame. The players deserve blame. But I think VJ is probably going to get the boot at the end of the year if this team... Uh, flames out down the stretch like I expect them to. There's just things I've heard of things that he's done as a coach where even some of their other coaches don't know what he's doing. Like he'll tell them one thing and then go to another thing. And it's just kind of like, what in the world are you doing here, buddy? <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't think he knows what he's doing. I think he really, one of my biggest question issues with him is he's very indecisive. Like he told Elway like three weeks ago, he's going to fire McCoy. And then he wakes, waits three weeks to actually do it. 
I don't know, things like that. But anyway, moving on to another one of our sections here, um, our X Factor. And just looking at last week, I obviously went with my boy Paxton. And it's your fault. I know, man, this is this is bad. Uh, He had a nice couple nice plays in this game. I, I loved early on. He had the the. I know people are going to sit here and say he didn't do anything in this game, but I, I think he just had some unlucky breaks that really ruined some momentum. He had the nice dump off to, to Janovich that I thought he did a great job staying in the pocket, going through his reads and finding the open guy. But it was a hold. It was, there, there was a hold. And it's just kind of going, you have this <laughs> nice guy. play and boom, it's, it's taken away. That's been our season. He had the nice touchdown taken away. Then he throws the interception, which was off a, a tipped pass and, Things just didn't go his way. There's some unlucky breaks. I'm not saying that he was great. I'm not saying that that was the only reason that he struggled. He had plenty of things that he didn't do well. But that, that was supposed to be expected. That's I saw a lot of people tweeting of, "Hey, a young guy that you're having to learn through some of his mistakes." Yeah, there should have been two and a, or a year and a half ago that we were seeing him make these kind of mistakes on the field. Yeah. I, I don't know. It was just it was it was tough for me to watch for sure. And your point, guy, sorry, oh, go ahead. At this point, though, I'm having issues. It's it's Paxton's fault too because he keeps getting injured. He would have been out there earlier, I think, if it wasn't for that AC joint sprain that he had preseason, and now he gets right. hurt again. Yeah, but, no, I, I agree. Uh, it's it's both. It's it was some coaches not willing to to take the lumps with the young player, and and also him just not going out there and winning the job, and also him just not being healthy. So there, there's a lot of things that that factor into why the Broncos are where they are and why Paxton is where he is. So tough to see, tough to see him get injured again when he finally gets his opportunity. But that's part of it. You got to be available. That's a big part of being in the NFL. And you picked Alan Barber. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That was uh, not a mistake why I picked that one. And he, uh, he sucked. People complaining about the same thing I said last week. I mean, at least Watson was solid on the ground game. Barber is just getting destroyed and I feel bad for him honestly I feel bad for him because he's being put in a bad situation he is just he's not a tackle he's kind of that fourth tackle that you have I mean Donald Stevenson was equally poor last year at least Stevenson though has like that length and that movement skill where he was getting crumpled inside but Barber's just not athletic enough he's not long enough and he's he got abused by Mac he got abused by Irvin I even think I saw Mario Edwards beat him one time on a stunt so Barber Two thumbs down. I I know we traded for him, and honestly, good thing we traded for him because our offensive line depth would be even worse without him. But it's it's a uh, it's time to move on. It's time to see somebody else there at right tackle. I want to see Cyrus Kuanjo. I want to see Elijah Wilkinson, and get, get those younger guys back into the roster, guys in there, and see what we have. Well, who'd you pick this week? This week, I am going with Von Miller. He's going to go up against former first round pick, who was a big reach in my opinion, and Juwan James, probably one of still one of the better. Uh, offensive lineman on that putrid offensive line for the Dolphins. And the reason I'm going with Von Miller, honestly, is, I mean, honest, he's ob- obviously always an X factor, but he's playing in his 100th career regular season game. And he is fourth all time in uh, most sacks in the first 100 games of his career. Can you name the four players above him or the three players above him? Uh, oh boy. <laughs> um, the most original the DT. The original DT. Wow, that's that's mm-hmm. a good guess. Von Miller has 82 sacks up to his career through the first uh, 100 games. Actually, 99 games. First 99 games. This will be Von's 100th. So first 99 games. De- Derek Thomas had 81.5. Oh, wow. Okay. Von has half a sack more. Okay. Half a sack uh, more. Well, let's go to, obviously, uh, the LT. LT's not up there. No? 
No, I, it's a big shock. Jeez. One of them's an edge rusher. Uh, two of them are older, but absolute physical freak types. Man, okay. I'll give you a hint. One of them's okay. One of them is a big, probably one of the best defensive linemen that's ever played. The Bills went to four Super Super Bowls in a row. Oh my goodness! Why am I blanking on his name? Bruce Smith. Yeah, Bruce, Bruce Smith. Smith. There you go. Okay. Eighty-four point five. So only two and a half above Vaughn. Uh, number two is a guy that we love as Bronco fans. Cowboy fans love him too. Oh, Demarcus Ware. Okay. Demarcus Ware at eighty-five, and then number one. So Von Miller through ninety-nine games, eighty-two point zero sacks. Number one is 105 sacks through 99 games. Over a sack a game. Who is that? Reggie White. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Reggie Man. White. Yeah. yeah I should so, know these names. <laughs> some, some good company. Some good yeah, company. Yeah. Very exciting. And Vaughn's going to be playing in his 100th game. And I'm looking for him to have a good game. And maybe maybe he can pass through Smith. Let's, let's have a three-sack performance. Get Vaughn on track for that 20-sack season that we've been hoping for. It's a 30-sack season. He's going to have some work to do if he's going to get there. <laughs> but... uh. Yeah, let's let's keep getting that sack total. And, you know, this is it sucks to have a bad year with a talent like Von Miller on your team, but let's have another good year, get some stats, and just keep padding that Hall of Fame resume. Okay, good choice, very good choice. I I went with uh, DT for this one, Demarius Thomas. I I keep waiting, and he's ha- he's been playing better lately for sure. I think some of that's maybe the the quarterback that he got paired with because Brock Osweiler was just a better pairing with DT. And so now we're going back to Trevor Simeon. So we'll have to see, <laughs> does he stop looking at DT? I don't, I don't know what his deal is. It's just crazy how many games he went without a touchdown with Trevor Simeon as a starter. And then all of a sudden Brock Osweiler comes in and, and DT has what, like three or four touchdowns. I don't know. My, my fantasy league appreciates Brock Osweiler starting. That's for sure. But no, just, he has a, he has a game where he has an easier matchup. Two very young cornerbacks here in Davian Howard and Ted Kersley of Clemson from that's a rookie this year. I just think these are, are guys that he should be abusing and just getting some big plays. And I just I just want to go see him go be dominant again for the Broncos. I I've just been missing it. And I know he's not the same player. I know he's played with a lot of injuries and I don't know. I just I just want to see him be that dominant player again. I, I miss it. I miss DT. Yeah, I'm sure he said that Brock Osweiler is not the one who's going to be playing this week because he had three touchdown games in a row with uh, Brock Osweiler and going back to Simeon, who, I mean, DT had a horrible stretch of <laughs> no touchdown games with Simeon. So what can you do? All right, well, we're not going to do game plan mode this week because we don't know exactly every single player that's going to play for the Broncos because, I mean, they're going to be starting to play some young guys. I don't know, just kind of getting frustrated and talking about the game plan mode every week and them not executing or doing a game plan mode that seems obvious. But anyway, <laughs> moving on, we're going to go on to what to watch for. And last week I said turnovers uh, and actually we didn't lose the turnover battle, man. What a shock. Uh, went up one to one. Granted a red zone turnover is deserves to count probably as five turnovers. Cause those are so horrible, especially when you're in a goal line situation, but what can you do? It's a young quarterback making a mistake that he hasn't really learned to play through yet, but not the worst. This week, though, I am going with pressures. I'm looking for this defensive line to get after the quarterback. Matt Moore, not great. Uh, Miami offensive line, not great. And the Broncos have some guys that you know, I've seen Shane Ray spouting off on Twitter being frustrated. Jack Barrett, I mean, he's, he's a guy who's playing for some money. Again, Von Miller, my, key, my uh, X Factor this week. And some of those interior guys. We're missing Pecco. We're missing uh, Derek Wolf most likely. So what does that mean? Got to get some young guys in there. And 
let's just get some let's get some pressures. We might not be the best against the run this week losing Wolf and Peko, but gosh darn it, we better be hitting Matt Moore. I like it. I, I went with the what to watch for this week is of course young players. And we've talked about this throughout this whole thing. Of you just gotta go give them their shot. Langley, I want to see Henderson get his chance. I was a little disappointed that he wasn't activated this last week. I, I want to see Hop Hop Henderson get his shot with maybe a, a quick sweep or a, or a quick screen pass to him and just see what he can do on, on the field. Because I, I just think that guy could be a really big part of the future. You, you get yourself a, a spread system. Like I said, if you get that young quarterback, uh, you get a guy like, if you go to my, my dream draft, we talked about this on, on the draft episode. My dream draft for the Broncos is, is go get yourself Sam Darnold. And then go get yourself Mark Andrews from Oklahoma, a tight end, six foot five, 250 pound guy. And then you pair them with Hop Henderson, where you got all these great weapons. You go from the, the Broncos this year, they just look so slow. Don't you agree? Yeah, they look like they're running through mud half the time. Yeah. So you go from that to all of a sudden you got some weapons who are getting out there, just getting open in a hurry. Mark Andrews, hopefully Jake Buck can get on the field. You get Hop Henderson out there. Uh, even Devontae Booker, he's finally added a little bit of spark since he's come back. It's been nice to see. So you just get get some – oh, Carlos Henderson. How could I forget him? Yeah. You get some speed back on the field again. And Isaiah McKenzie, go work on catching something and holding on to it. <laughs> oh, boy. I heard he didn't get the flu shot this year because he's not afraid of catching anything. Oh, yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. <laughs> but um, thanks, Yeah, thanks for the dad joke. Yeah, no problem. That's what I'm here for. But yeah, no, I, I just I, I want to go ahead and see Hop Henderson this this year and just get a little bit of hope for the future of what he could be for this Bronco offense. And and he needs his shot. He needs eh, there's nothing better. I think I, I put this on Twitter. I can't remember if I did or not for sure. I think I did. Uh, there's an article written by the head coach for the Eagles of what they've all done the last two years to build the team that they have right now. And a big part of that was, was they had to go through the growing pains of a young player, mostly Carson Wentz, and just get them on the field. Like, you just got to get them on the field. That's the best learning place for a player. Henderson, getting to see how quickly things move in the NFL. That doesn't happen in practice. That happens on the field. So I'd love to see him. Uh, Latimer, I know he's not probably going to be with the Broncos next year, but I'd love to see him get a lot more playing time. He's really starting to to come on to his own. He's kind of one of those guys... I might even be willing to put kind of like a prove it deal for him. I would team. love to have him back, especially if we're moving on from Sanders. I think he's shown that he probably deserves a chance to get some more playing time. He's been made some pretty tough catches, some good routes, and I, I always hype on it, but his run blocking is great. Yeah. No, I and think on a lot of other teams, he would be starting. Yeah. He's, he's valuable. He's a valuable player. I mean, he, but yeah, no, there, there's just guys like that. I'd like to see get a little more opportunity. And and they'd be fun to watch because they have something to play for. Yeah, I agree with you. And you pretty much stole my what to watch for because I've been harping on it. I'll be harping on it forever. But time to get the young guys in. Time to evaluate. Let them grow. Trees don't grow in the shade. So it is what it is. But before we get on out of here, we want to say thank you once again to our sponsor, Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com backslash huddle up. Over 180 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Again, that's www.audibletrial.com backslash huddle up. A great resource to listen to in the car. I'm on the go. I take the bus to work every day. And if, if I'm not listening to a podcast, I'm listening to something from Audible. And a lot of times I'm taking that bus before I've had my coffee. So 
Heck no, I don't want to be talking to anyone. Audible is a great way for those early morning introverts out there. All right, Carl, well, last section here, predictions. I'll let you go first. Last week, I'm going to go first this week. And I have the Broncos losing this game 20 to 16. I think that they are going to struggle on offense. Uh, Simeon will move the ball okay, but I just I think the defense is banged up, especially on that defensive line. Once the defensive line starts getting banged up, you're going to have some issues. And we talked about it. Gase might be playing for his job. Uh, the Broncos do not historically do well going out east, especially going to more humid, muggy conditions. So going to Miami is not a great area for them. They normally struggle there, and I just I don't see them coming out with a win. Um, hopefully they play some of those young guys, get some learning experience, but I don't see a win coming this week. Yeah, this is, this is a, a noon start time. So 11 AM for those of our, our listeners who are actually in mountain time zone where we're central time. So that's noon for us, but that's usually not a good starting time for them. Like you said, going out East Miami, they're one in seven actually playing in Miami and they just don't have the, the Tebow magic to help them to win. So I, I'm with you. I, I have the score being 21-13. Well, yeah, I'll, I'll stick with that score. 21-13. All right. I didn't take yours this week, right? I picked an obscure number like 16. No, no. I, when you said it, I was kind of like, oh, yeah, I could see that kind of score. I, I just, I yeah, I don't see the offense doing a whole lot this week. Defense, I don't know. They, they've just, neither team has been great. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the hard part here. Because both teams could just absolutely de- just, destroy themselves early in this one. And I guess I just see the Broncos being the team that destroys themselves early on. I see Trevor Simeon again, getting back to his old self is uh, this is some of the people I I think have kind of overlooked on his two touchdown game this last week. The the Raiders didn't prepare for him at all. There's a big difference in how you prepare for a game against Paxton compared to a game against Trevor Simeon. And so when you haven't really prepared, you just go into, and and they were already in that shell defense because they were up 21, zero. So I, I wouldn't look at that two-touchdown game and say, oh, man, Trevor Simeon's back. I guess, or can you even say he was ever back? I don't, I don't know. But anyway, I, I just don't see him playing a great game. Uh, yeah, frustrating. But honestly, losses are probably better than a win at this point. I, it sucks. I don't know. I'm so conflicted. I, I never want to cheer for the Broncos to lose. But at the same time, if the Broncos want to get a top quarterback in this class, you don't want to be picking behind both the Browns and the Giants and potentially a team like the Chargers, the Bengals, maybe uh, the Cardinals, the Jets could trade up. I just, you don't want to be picking behind those teams. If you want to get that quarterback or heck, if you want that offensive tackle, don't pick behind the Colts and the bears or the Chargers. I mean, I could see them going there as well. So I also, the top of this draft class, I don't think there's many elite elite talents. So if you're picking Five to ten, that's like picking fifteen to twenty in most years. At least that's how that's the sense I'm starting to get in this class. So if you want to get a blue chip guy, you need to be picking top five and a win doesn't help that. So we'll see what happens. Do you agree that with that, Carl? Yeah, no, I'm with you there. Uh, I would say I, I know you're probably gonna come out with a, a Broncos draft board here pretty soon. You're always very good about that of players to look at for the for the Broncos. And there's three or four players right now in the top 10 that I would say I'm really good with the Broncos picking these players. But after those four players, I'm pretty much saying trade back if you absolutely can, but you're probably not going to be able to because teams are going, why trade up when I can just get a pretty similar player 15 picks later. So that's kind of where I'm at. Do you want to know my, my four guys? Yes. 
Okay. Uh, I, pretty... no, I can guess them. I can guess them. I can guess them. Okay, yeah, go ahead. Connor Williams, Saquon Barkley, and the two, uh, the two Los Angeles quarterbacks. Okay. Um, I guess I, I forgot about Barkley. Oh, okay. Yeah, sorry. I, I mean, I, I view him as an elite prospect, and, and I'd love to see him on the Broncos. But it's so hard for me to use a top five pick on a running back. I think this year, because of this class, it's an exception. I hear yeah. you, but I think this year, I think Barkley's that special, A, and I think this class doesn't have many blue chippers at elite positions. I agree. It's just it's hard because I also see running backs that I like in the third, fourth, fifth round. Yeah, especially this year. Yeah, I hear yeah. you. Yeah, it's a very deep draft, so it's really hard for me. I mean, Barkley, he is. He's so special. He changes how a team has to play you. So I guess he should be in my top five or my five guys. I said four. I'll add Barkley to it, so I'll say five. I was going to say Bradley Chubb as well. Chubb. Okay, that, that's the other one. Yeah. You should watch uh, what Arden King is doing down the stretch. Is he finally turning it back on? I know he was dealing with an injury early on. He has been pretty damn good the last five, six games. Yeah, he's looking, he's looking like a top 10 pick again. Okay. Um, and <laughs> I, I, I'm kind of surprised I'm not sitting here saying Quentin Nelson, but I just, the more I've viewed this class, the more I sit here and say that there's these guards that I really like in the second and third round as well. They're not to the Nelson level, but ah, man, I, I love Nelson. I really do. I think he's one of those guys that's going to become a Pro Bowl, All Pro level, even maybe rookie year. But it's still the guard position, so it's kind of hard to hard to go there, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I, there's good guards. We're, we're draft tangent now. Of course, we're supposed to wrap this up a little shorter podcast, but here we are yakking away about the draft. Um, you got guys like Wyatt Teller from Virginia Tech. Tyrell Crosby, who I'm talked about on the draft podcast, uh, Will Hernandez, who I think is a freaking tank. Watch Will Hernandez at UTEP. What a great player! Could be a first round guard. Mm-hmm. And uh, Billy Price from Ohio State. Man, Billy Price was a monster this week against Michigan, even against yeah. Maurice Hurst. So I think there's some really, really good talent to have at guard this year. And I, I have questions about Quentin Nelson. I, I really do. I, I'm not sure how athletic he is. I need to see his testing. I just, I don't think he. I don't think he moves as well as some of those upper tier guards that we guards that we've seen taken in the top of the draft in years past. Okay. I just, for me, the the big part is, I mean, you obviously see the strength and his run blocking. I mean, he just opens up holes. It's, it's fun to watch. I I see him hold up so well in the, in the past game, obviously he's, even though Notre Dame has struggled these last couple games, it's not because of him. He's still been his dominant self kind of thing. And, and I love here's, here's the main part for me. I see a guy that is just so highly intelligent at the position. I watched him one play where he was, he realized nobody was really coming to his spot. And so he was kind of looking for, for work. And there was a guy that was doing a delayed blitz from the right side, coming from about the tackle spot on the right side. And he ran across the, the, the play and just destroyed the guy right before he hit the quarterback. So those heads up kind of plays Broncos just haven't had that. I, I look at like, our guy right now, Garcia. Oh my goodness. He is so terrible at stunts. So terrible at delayed blitzes. He doesn't know how to come off his guy. He doesn't know how to, to realize when they're trying to attack him that way. So teams do that to him all the time. Drives me nuts. Oh my goodness. So that, that's why I love Quentin Nelson, but not, not as that top five pick. Maybe in that 10 to 15 range, I'm a lot more okay with that kind of pick. Because he is that 
that really great player that I think you plug in there and you leave him in there for 10 to 15 years at that guard position and he's going to dominate for you. But anyway, we're, yeah, we're getting along on the, on this episode and and we could go on about the draft forever. So <laughs> yeah, for sure. But we should uh, probably save that for the draft one and we'll just get on out of here. And that will wrap up the scout side preview of the week 13 game. The Broncos heading to Miami to play the dolphins. You can find Carl on Twitter at Carl Dummler MHH and myself at Nick Kendall MHH as well as find our Denver Bronco articles and content on Mile High Huddle, an affiliate of Scout.com, and the CBS Sports Digital. You can follow the Huddle Up podcast by subscribing to us on iTunes and for Android users, Stitcher. We also have audio up on YouTube. You can check that out, leave comments. Love to get on there when I can. Um, Again, please be sure to subscribe and rate us and reach out to us. We love talking football, 3 a.m., 2 a.m., draft, college. I'm not really into that high school recruiting stuff. I'm an Iowa Hawkeye fan, so the high school recruiting stuff never really – was an appeal to me, but you know, if you want to talk to me about that, whatever. I love talking football. Um, for Carl Dunbar, I'm Nick Kendall, wrapping up another episode of the Huddle Up podcast. We hope you enjoyed it, and we will see you again next week. Go Broncos! Mile high huddle.